This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Shouldn't you be at home? Save the penalty here on Wednesday, and he saves another one! Delightful ball again by Barnes, McMahon in for Beardsley! Penrise with the throw, headed on by Devon White, Peacock's there and Peacock with a magnificent goal! Now, you know him better than anybody probably, do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh he has to! No! Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin Will He Score and welcome to, now that's what I call Quickly Kevin Lockdown Specials. My name is Chris Gold, joining me Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And the man who has hoarded the Sabutio 1970 Brazil team is Michael Mard. Hello. How are you all feeling? Alright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a tricky time. Just to be clear, all of these are recorded, until we say otherwise, have all been recorded in one go yeah. on the Thursday uh, before the first episode of this series was put out. Yes. So, so please don't inform the authorities. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, uh, are they all scheduled to go out? So if there is the apocalypse and we all die, the, the <laughs> new episodes of Quickly Kevin will still be coming out, which, <laughs> which I was sure our relatives will very much enjoy. We'll be like Tupac releasing albums long after we're gone. Yeah. I've got a little treat for us because I thought, who's the most rousing uh, national treasure you could think of? Churchill. Yeah. Blair. Nelson. Theresa May. No. Des Lynham. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So we've not covered this before. Uh, Are are you aware of Time to Stand and Stare, Des Lynham's poetry and music album? I'm I'm aware of his existence because of the reading of If, the famous reading of If. Yeah, so that, that gave him the idea to do this. Right. They did If. At the end of France 98, just apropos of nothing, and then it was such a success that he then released now with 23 different poems on, including If. Uh, But most excitingly of all, number 12 is called The Silly Isles, spelled S-I-L-L-Y. Bit of a bonus. Yeah, by D.M. Lynham. Oh. We won't do that one today, but I thought we'd end each with a poem by Des Lynham. Lovely. Lovely. But 
what we'll be doing in these uh, episodes, we are going to be playing you uh, some of our best bits from uh, all of our previous episodes and also we're going to be getting through correspondence that is brilliant that we haven't had a chance to read because there's so much good stuff that's come in from our listeners. So, shall we start with the electronic post bag? You've got mail. Dear Josh, Chris and Michael, whilst on a morning jog listening to the Darren Huckabee episode, I was delighted to hear his account of a man I have played under at both Cambridge United and Histon. Oh, This wow. is from M, so we don't know. Okay. I feel duty-bound to inform Quitley Kevin listeners that Mr Beck was an outstanding coach and gets a raw deal, particularly from 19s football players and fans alike. However, I remember him in training describing a perfectly executed long throw routine as wanking material. <laughs> So in short, I'm not sure what to think. <laughs> Out of a healthy dose of fear and respect, I wish to remain anonymous. M. Oh. Wanking material. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you'd get that with uh, Pep Guardiola? <laughs> Do you think any elite manager practices throw-ins now? Yeah, Liverpool, still a Liverpool have got a throw-in coach. Really? Because there was yeah. all this kind of... Um, well, Steve Nicholl went absolutely batshit on, uh, I think, possibly ESPN. He was so irate that they had a throw-in coach. Why not? I mean, surely John Beck would be the ultimate throw-in <laughs> His managerial philosophy was throw-ins. Why isn't he out the, why is he out the game? That's, that scene where John Beck got hired by, say, Pep Guardiola to be the throw-in coach would be like, you know, a sort of grizzled old war veteran that comes out of retirement <laughs> in, in, in an action movie. He's the only person that can save the day. I'd love to see a film where Liverpool win the league off the back of a throw-in. That story, like a Mickey-style, like Rocky <laughs> Like he's the coach. Do you think Pep Guardiola and John Beck? It would be like one of those odd couple cop movies, <laughs> where they're two guys who've got completely different ideas that come together. John Beck going, "I'm getting too old for this shit." <laughs> um, you're friends with the Rufus Brabbit, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got his number. Yeah. Hi lads, I was working at Toys R Us, the big one in Woking. And one evening, um, in, in the run-up to Christmas, I had the delight of serving former QPR and Fulham defender Rufus Brevet. He had chosen to buy a battery-powered ride-on Jeep for his kids. After arranging delivery and getting the paperwork signed, I obviously shoved the freshly inked paper into my pocket. There's no way I was losing this piece of memorabilia. Unfortunately, I forgot to duplicate it. And the poor Brevet kids never got their battery-powered Jeep in time for Christmas. Oh, no. What a terrible person I was. The week after Christmas, the unnecessarily understanding player returned to the shop, at which point I realised my lack of judgement. But, instead of berating me, coolly arranged a, a delivery to which I ended the conversation with a harrowing statement, I'm very sorry, Rufus Brevet. Something that still haunts me to this day. Dan Oswin from Oak Oh, Working. man. Rufus. I mean, he's a, he's a really nice guy, so I understand that. Have I told you this story? I can't, in our early days, we got an email from... Or maybe it was a Facebook message or something that said that they had once seen on the Coventry Uni, the Coventry University were doing some sort of protest, and uh, there was a bit of kind of reaction from the people who were local to Coventry against this protest, like calling them lazy students. And Rufus Brevet had popped up on this notice board saying, "You lazy students need to get a job." <laughs> oh, no. This was the claim. Oh, no. I asked him about it, and he denies it. <laughs> But I like to think Rufus Brevet considers all students lazy. <laughs> but I'll ask him about that. Yeah, if you could ask him about that, that would be ideal. 
This is from Michael Hand. Hi guys, love the show. Growing up in Cromsall, Manchester in the 90s, me and my friends were staunch Manchester United fans. It came to our surprise when, knocking on for my mate to play football on the street, he came out in a Chelsea shirt. When we had all laughed and asked what he was doing, he replied, My mum had seen it in a sports shop and thought that CFC on the badge stood for Crumsall Football Club. (laughs) (laughs) He was then forced to work for the next couple of the weeks every time he came out to play football until it mysteriously went missing. (laughs) (laughs) Bit of fun, isn't it? That's kind of sweet. There's actually, I think there's a rich vein there of like parents, your parents buying you the wrong football kit. Yeah. There's stories definitely in West Ham, but maybe maybe just the generation before mine, but it was like buying the Scunthorpe kit instead of West Ham, yeah. because you just thought it was the colours. Oh. Anything on that, parents making yeah. a footballing mistake. Yes, yeah, uh, like, if your mum's bought you the wrong item or the wrong shirt, or uh, any of that, or your dad, after all, it's the 90s. This is how you get in touch. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at QuicklyKevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. So it's time now for the best bits of our previous series in a feature we're calling Now That's What I Call Quickly Kevin. And first up, it's the 90s legend and the first ever guest on the show, Matt Letizier, to tell us all about the legend of Ali Dyer. The title of this episode is going to be The Best and Worst Premiership Player. And you're obviously the best. The (laughs) worst. I I fully believe that. (laughs) The worst, consistently voted the worst, Ali Dyer. Now, the two of you crossed the touchline together. Your careers almost intertwined. Yeah. Let's go back to the start. Let's go to the start. If you're listening and you don't know who Ali Dyer is, um, then you shouldn't be listening, really. <laughs> you know nothing about 90s football. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. isn't the point. How have you got this far into the podcast? Surely you should have turned off at the discussion of the Dells stand. <laughs> um, so, Ali Dyer, when was the first time you heard about Ali Dyer? Um, when he turned up for training um, before we played against Leeds at home on the Saturday. We had a, a rumour that uh, this guy was was George Ware's cousin and that George had rang up Graham Sooners and said, you should take a look at my cousin, he's a really good player. Uh, and so and this guy turned up uh, in training. Did you talk to him? I don't recall talking to him. You no. didn't? Did anyone ask him about George Ware? I don't believe so. I'm not, his English wasn't that good, actually. Oh, was it not? Uh, not No. I bet it was. That was part of the lie. It was, yeah. I mean, the lies he told, I think the language is a small one. (laughs) So he turned up at training. He turned up at training, um, and I can remember thinking, watching him training, going, what's this bloke doing? (laughs) I I honestly thought he'd won a competition. He's come to train with us in the local paper. And he turned on this. That must have happened quite a lot at Southampton. <laughs> we had a few, <laughs> but it was strange. It was like so he could barely. He could. He yeah. wasn't very good. So in training. So what kind of things are you doing on a day like uh, that? So we were playing. I remember the the Friday before the game. It was always pretty relaxed on the Friday. We did a little warm up. Then we'd have a little game of five a side. You know, it wasn't anything too strenuous. But even in the five a side, I was looking at him going, "Ooh." <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and then so that was on the Friday, and then we turn up on the Saturday at the Dell, and we sat in the change room about uh, up past one, 
three o'clock kickoff, and and he's in there. <laughs> I'm all thinking. <laughs> Why? Yeah, that was a good competition. <laughs> he gets to come and listen to the team talk and everything. Did, when he turned off a training, did he know what to do? Was it like, was he know? Oh, here are the boots. Did he bring his own boots? Like, um, that's a good. No, he would have been given. He would have been given his own kit, his kit. But he would have had to have bought his own boots. Yeah. 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 As a, as a trialist, you don't get given. You don't get given boots. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but he would have been. He would have been all kitted up properly. Um, did he look uh, nervous? Yes, yeah, he did look a little bit, uh, and maybe, uh, maybe his performance was down to nerves. Maybe he was actually a really good player. Yeah, he just got a little bit tense. Would you get that with players that would turn up on their first day in training and be rubbish? You could see the ones that were were really nervous to be there, and yeah, uh, and it does make a difference. So when you're in the dressing room, were you thinking there's a chance he's going to be good? <laughs> Not really, not really. And it was it was quite odd because I remember the team being named, and then Graham Soon is going, and and the subs are so and so and Ali Dia. Really? Jeez. Or was there only two subs in those days? I think it was two or th- maybe three yeah, yeah. tops. So there might have been two and a goalkeeper. Yeah, I think it might have been in those days. And then, sure enough, twenty minutes into the game, uh, I get a thigh strain. And uh, and I can't continue in the game, and I, I was like, I got to come off. And I looked up, and then he stood on the touchline. I'm thinking, no, he's no, no. And so forever was part of you excited to see him play. Not really. No, obviously, we wanted to win the game. I mean, win bonuses were like quite yeah. good in those days right. in comparison to what we were earning yeah. as a weekly wage. So uh, yeah, I wasn't um, best pleased to see him come on. And forevermore now, when the name of Ali Deer gets mentioned as the worst player ever to play in the Premier League, I have to sit there and go, yeah. And he came on. <laughs> how, how bad is bad? Like, is he like a League Two player? Well, or like, he, would uh, it, Josh or I, could we have got away with it for as long? Yeah. Um, possibly. I've really. Possibly. He's well, just he, a bloke off the went, street. He went from us, he then went, I think, to play at Gateshead. Yeah. So, you know, he's dropped from Premier League. <laughs> Quite a few divisions in one hit. And even then, I'm not sure he was that great no. for Gateshead. He's on the subs bench for then. I've been obsessed with the question. I've argued this with my friend Tom, right? He believes that if you played up front for a season for a Premier League team, 90 minutes a week, you would score one goal by the law of averages. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know. Mm. You've got to be half decent. To, to actually get a goal. Do you not really? think the ball bobbling around from a corner? <laughs> <laughs> it's a shake if of the head. If you put your body in there, oh, I'm not sure. If it's in the mixer long enough, I'm not sure. If you if you're really bad, I'm not sure you get even one. I mean, it's quite a tough place to score goals. You know, I might have made it look easy, but it wasn't that. <laughs> <laughs> um, just on Ali Dyer, some like my uni mate Mark, he he maintains that he was there that day when Ali Dyer played, and he said he he wasn't that bad. <laughs> Like he's, he maintains that it was like some misunderstanding. I mean, what did he look like? I think you're on record of saying Bambi on ice, but like, what was he doing? <laughs> Headless chicken kind of sprang to mind a little bit as well. Um, did he have positional he sense? Had a, he like... had a not great positional sense. <laughs> and I can remember though, he, he did have a really good chance to score. I think he, did nearly, he? he very nearly scored. Yeah, the ball got <laughs> flashed across the front of the goal and he went flying in, and I think he missed, missed the ball completely. But he got subbed off, didn't yeah. he, as well? He did, yeah. So he, th- he came on after. 20 minutes for me uh, and I think he went off again 
on about it was about 65 70 minutes or yeah. Something. yeah he came off for ken moncow we were saying was that a positional change you know did did Sooness think actually you know you've done your job ali <laughs> no, i think Sooness probably thought at this point ken moncow is a better center forward than ali <laughs> even though he spent his career at center back <laughs> so let's talk about the fallout after the game you get in the dressing room i presume ali sat there head in his hands <laughs> <laughs> what happens? Is he sheepish about what he's done? Um, I'd be terrified if I was him at this point. Yeah. All I can remember is that <laughs> I remember speaking to the physio on Monday morning and um, apparently Ali Deer had reported in on the Sunday after the game to the physio for some treatment. I don't know if he was trying to claim that he got subbed because he was injured, right, not because he was just rubbish. An unbelievable bottle. Uh, so he turned he turned up on the Sunday, had some treatment with the physio on the Sunday morning, and then decided that he'd had enough, and he left, and he just went. Wow. Uh, wow. Left his the, the hotel that he was staying at. He just did a run just up that, left the hotel bill unpaid did he know oh. the game was up was he scared of Sooness like scared of Sooness I don't know going, if you thought some, somebody might have rumbled what was going on and he's just done a, and he's done one so on the Monday morning do you guys come in and go where is it where is it <laughs> where's our star well, that's, how, that's how I found because I went into the physio I went where's the lad that played off the set <laughs> Even. I like the fact he still know. didn't know his name. Done a run out. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> 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 very, very odd turn of events. <laughs> or did Sunes ever say to the team, I'll admit that? I don't, yeah. Do you know what? <laughs> the strange thing about it all is that I've seen Graham quite a few times since, and I've never been brave enough to ask him. <laughs> I, I think he just ripped my head off. If I start ripping the mick out of him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing about it is, no due diligence. He, no, just, no. he just put him straight in there. Put him None straight whatsoever. in. None Incredible. Whatsoever. Yeah. I kind of admire it as a move. Oh, brilliant. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. The front to do that. <laughs> I, I mean, how, how I would mean, you even invent that? I mean, it was like. The... Sat there in a pub and go, I bet you can't play in the Premier League with his mates. <laughs> yeah, go, right, I'll take that bet on. <laughs> how am I going to do this? Uh, yeah. I know. Did they ever find out who made the call pretending to be George Weyer? I heard it was his cut, like, uh, yeah, a friend of his. And did George Weyer? Well, that's a good question. I'm not sure their paths would have crossed. No. Yeah. I love the idea that George Weyer would have thought. I'm going to call Graham Sooness of all people. <laughs> I know. He's looking for his contact book. Comes across Sooness. Here we go. Which club are going to be gullible enough to call for this? Next up is Arsenal and Middlesbrough legend Paul Merson to talk us through the arrival of Arsene Wenger and the time he moved to Middlesbrough with his brother. So, um, like, the Premier League era really changes when Arsene Wenger comes in. Yeah. Right. But he comes in, surely, I mean, you've got Adams, you've got Parley yourself, right? These English lads are still with that kind of 80s mentality of going out. Was it a shock to him to see you? He he, he changed the face of football, the whole face. Yeah. In my opinion. Oh, he come in, you'd have thought he was Clouseau. Really? But honestly, it was unbelievable. It was, he just, you thought, oh, no, this ain't working. You know, he'd Did go you? to a hotel and go, can I have a room? He'd be like, he literally was like, like Inspector Cluso. <laughs> Ray used to call him Cluso. He used to call him it, but he was brilliant. I yeah. couldn't talk. Yeah, at the time, I couldn't talk highly enough of him. He was so far ahead of his How time. How quickly did you realise that he, he was good? A week, really. <laughs> no, see, we were doing these exercises we used to do warm up. We went away with England, and we'd be doing them exercises. The lads and all the England lads would be doing. Them. They'd be joining in. 
yeah. doing them like that they'd never ever seen before that no one was doing and that everybody started doing it was there a moment where like Wenger like it changed you you, you realised like, oh you couldn't be like eating whatever you want was there like yeah, one specific yeah. I, I mean straight away he took the beer out the uh, players lounge so not that on the end no drinking after the game really yeah so what did you do not go up there <laughs> <laughs> but he was so far ahead and all the lads were getting in early for work like November the 8th you'd be training at Arsenal and I could tell you what we're doing on f- March the 7th with George Graham five months later I could tell yeah. you exactly what we're doing you know, but it worked and we won things. But he come in and people were flying into training at nine o'clock in the morning. It was that good to train. Really? It was so all what kind 15 of things minutes, were you doing? All 15 minutes stuff so you don't lose concentration and all that. But like you do 8v8, which is a thing you used to do, like 8v8 games. Usually managers just say, go and play. But his yeah. was all one. If you take two touch, your second touch has got to go forward. And you always had to think about it. It was never just go yeah. out and play. Yeah. yeah. It was, honestly, it was brilliant. What was his man management like with you? It was all right. Was I got right? on really well with him. I played every game under him by when I had a hernia. Yeah. I'd got offered a new contract at Arsenal. People think that I was thrown out. I, I got offered a four year contract at Arsenal. So why did you go to Middlesbrough? Because they doubled my wages. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty simple. I remember saying to him after, I, you know, when I went up there to see Brian Robson and I come back and he said, what, what happened? I said, well, I've signed for your contract. And he asked me what I got and he said that we're not even giving Dennis Burkamp that. Really? I was getting more than Dennis Burkamp when I was playing in the championship. That's and he mad. was the greatest player ever. Yeah. God, that's bizarre, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, that must have been a culture change again. Like, go to yeah. Middlesbrough. I, yeah. mean, I imagine you'd lived in London your whole life at that point. <laughs> yeah, I had, but I, I didn't move up for ages. I drove up every day for the first two months. Gee, that's every day. What's that? What? Four and a half, five hours? I left hours? my house at five in the morning what? in St Albans and I drove to Darlington where we trained and I drove back home every day. Oh, my God. Every day. I scored one goal in my first seven games away at Stockport County in the league. <laughs> one goal. And then, and then they said, you're not driving anymore, so I used to have to get the train up every morning. So I used to drive to Stevenage from St Albans, get on the 747 train. There'd be a car waiting for me to take to the training ground which I was late every day. So instead of fining me, the lads, I said, I'll just pay for the whole Christmas due. And then I had to be back on the 201, even if train hadn't finished. <laughs> That's, did you move in the end? And then I moved up. Did you uh, not know where Middlesbrough uh, was when you signed? Yeah, like, well, no, because my wife didn't come at the time. That's what it was. She yeah. said, I'm not moving. The kids are staying at school. I thought she was joking when she said that. <laughs> I thought she was joking. And I thought, when I sign and I tell her how much I'm getting, do you know what I mean? She'll move. But she didn't move. <laughs> well, before I get half of that anyway. So, <laughs> like, I don't have to move. Because <laughs> there was a rumour that they, when they brought foreign players over to sign for Middlesbrough, they'd show them around London. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I moved to Ravenelli's house in the end. He had a, they had a six-bedroom clubhouse. Oh, yeah. And they got, they got my brother to move up with me to keep me company. Yeah. And they put him on £400 a week, my brother. Really? What, sit and watch telly with me. <laughs> That's a, That's a nice job. He was it? fucking devastated when I left. <laughs> Seriously, was devastated. But that was his job to sit wow. and watch Sally with me. <laughs> I, I liked it up there. People say I left there because of, you know, but it was, I liked it. It was a good place. Good yeah. people. Really good people. Well, you said, well, speaking of good people, you said Brian Robson was one of the reasons yeah, that you definitely. joined. Have you seen this picture of him when he's announced as player manager? <laughs> there's this picture, this infamous picture. Can you just describe what you <laughs> What look, is he doing? Can you just describe the listeners what you're looking at there, this picture? I am looking Robson. at Brian Robson on the pitch with no boots, with football socks, <laughs> with his foot on a ball, with shorts on, <laughs> then his tie, his jacket, and <laughs> holding a scarf up. And I just thinking, why are you holding the scarf? <laughs> <laughs> 
really? That's mad, isn't it? A player manager, they've taken that so literally. The yeah. photographs. Uh, Surely you've I mean, the you know, when, you, when you sign, you always get the lean up against the post, hold the ball, keep yeah. it up, hold the flag. But I've never seen that. That is <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> when you sign for a team as well, how soon do they do the picture afterwards? You sign the contract and then they go, right, come upstairs, put on this shirt, there you go. I went Middlesbrough because it was the biggest transfer. Yeah. And it only got broke about three or four years ago. So it was the highest, most expensive player ever to get transferred to a championship club. So when I went, you had every single examination in the world. It took forever. AIDS test, everything. You had the lot done. So you had to wait for everything to come back and then the pictures come out because they don't want to give you the pictures and then there's something wrong with you. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. And then I left the year after. I went to Aston Villa for 6.75 million. My exam... You know, at Middlesbrough, you've got to remember I was having MRIs, tests, exams, everything. When I went to Anto Aston Villa, the doctor laid me on the bench. He hit my knee with a thing a couple of times. They looked in the Rothmans book and they went, they went, they went, he's played 500 games now. He played 49 games last season. That'll do. And that was it. And that was my thing 6.75 wow. million. There was no. one story Letizia told yeah. us when yeah. we interviewed him that you lived with Paul Gascoigne yeah. when you went to Middlesbrough. Yeah. And the way you'd kill time... <laughs> yeah, is it's that yeah, it's drink red wine and take sleeping tablets. And you put money in the middle. Put money in the middle. Whenever I fell asleep last, just put the money up off the table and went to bed. <laughs> and you'd be sitting there and you go, you look around and you go... And as you went to take the money, someone would go, I'm not asleep yet. <laughs> oh, Got another tablet to take. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Me, my brother and Gazza and Jimmy. Yeah. So your brother was doing his job then? Oh, yeah. He, <laughs> he made sure I got a bed. <laughs> and finally this episode, it's a delightful Jim Rosenthal discussing the origin of the name of our show. And after that, the story of how future leader of the free world Donald Trump came to host the Rumbelows Cup draw. So this podcast is called um, Quickly Kevin Willie Score. Right. That's an infamous bit of Brian Moore commentary. Oh, is uh, it? Are you familiar with it? I uh, and now I exactly know where, where you're coming from, <laughs> and I know if it makes you guys feel any better that you think you thought of a wonderful title. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Brian was desperately, desperately upset oh, about no. saying oh, no. that and putting Kevin Keegan on the spot. And if there's one line that the best commentator in my mind in the business regretted saying, no. oh, it no. was Jim. quickly, Kevin, will he stop? <laughs> oh, no, so no, that has absolutely rolled a hand grenade. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what we're called next week. We've bought the domain now. We're we're tied in. So was Kevin upset by it, or did he not? Well, I I think they both were really. And then, listen, one of the pitfalls of being a commentator is that your brain thinks something and it doesn't get filtered, and it it comes, it comes out. And poor Kevin, he's sitting there. What's he supposed to say? No, he's murder. No, can't hit a farm door from 12 yards you know. of course he won't score you know, you know. but I, I know Brian almost every time I think he saw him subsequently he apologised <laughs> oh, no, I mean you can either say putting him on the spot which probably would be the right thing yeah. I, mean, I yeah, would yeah. prefer to say throwing him under the bus if I'm <laughs> so you worked on Saint and Greaves I did for many you, years you were involved maybe not in front of the camera on the Donald Trump draw yes. yeah. <laughs> how did this come about 
So for people that <laughs> so yeah, no, I well, again, I, I will tell you this. This is just my version <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, no, lovely. In that um, we found ourselves in freezing New York before the, the World Cup draw for USA 94, which yeah. happened in December 93. Yeah. And Saint and Greaser were over there, and and then from England came the or from London came. Cracky, do you realise we've got to do the draw for the Rumbleos Cup, which <laughs> everybody had forgotten? <laughs> and so you picture yourself, you're in New York, yeah. and we think, Cracky, how how are we going to do this? And I actually said, do you know what? I've got a number for Robert De Niro. They <laughs> <laughs> went, give him a try. So so so, then ring his people, etc. Yeah. etc. And when the word comes back, Bobby would love to have done it, but Bobby's otherwise engaged. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. So, and so then someone's looking up and we go, well, what about him, Donald Trump? And then Donald Trump is rung up and obviously a man who's never afraid of coming in front of a TV yeah, camera yeah, of at any stage, even though he knew nothing about anything, not a lot has changed. And, uh, <laughs> and that's how it happened. Uh, wow. and, and Donald Trump and the Saint and Greasy, the, the legendary draw for the Rumbelows. The legendary. <laughs> for the Rumbelows Cup. And, it's um, an amazing, have you watched it, it recently? I have watched it. it There's is. an amazing bit where Jimmy Greaves makes a joke about I've not been in a boardroom this big since Doug Ellis. <laughs> and Donald Trump laughs. <laughs> like, Trump there's laughs no way he can know the reference. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Greaves, who will draw the home team, and Donald Trump, who will draw the away team. Donald, you, very pleased to meet you, nice sir. Nice meeting you. Well done, Donald. Thank you. This is some pad you've got here, isn't it? No, it's pretty good. I hope you enjoy it. Trump oh, Tower, I like it. This is beautiful. I'll tell you, well, I haven't seen a ballroom like this since I was in Doug Ellis's at Aston Villa. Now, carry on. Yeah, carry right. on with the drop. But listen, I think he was quite a good sport, if I'm yeah, honest. Yeah. And that he took part in it and, and he did it. He didn't have a clue if he was around <laughs> Leeds or Manchester, you know, not, not a clue. But, 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 yeah. but it, it all worked. And Rumbelows were very, very grateful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they should be now, by the way. <laughs> no, yeah. they're, they're still going. That is the best sponsorship money they've ever spent. On the subject of draws, FA Cup draws, yes. how tedious do you find them? Um, I, I had quite a few years doing that yeah. um, and the first one that I did uh, was certainly anything but tedious because uh, it was round the corner in Soho Square uh, and it, the worst draw is the draw for the first round proper because you have whatever it is 86, 92, it was massive never stopped <laughs> and Aussie Ardiles they gave me Aussie Ardiles yeah. as the first guy to do it and so we, we do the rehearsals and we just do a little rehearsal here Aussie and I think Ray Clements was doing the away team or whatever. So Ray said, number one, Accrington and Stanley will play. And Ozzy went, number two, two, And in my, in my ears, people go, what the, what did he say? Which <laughs> <laughs> we go again and play number 19, uh, Burnley will, will play Ozzy, number two. <laughs> and I thought, this is the first one I've done, this is a complete and utter stitch up this. <laughs> So I went, I went, I said, Ozzy, I'm not meaning to be rude here, mate, but you're going to have to really enunciate, really. Because <laughs> if you don't say yeah. the number properly, we don't know which uh, And you okay, Jim, okay, okay. So we get to do the real thing. And, Is it live? It was live. Oh, yeah, of yeah, course it's live. Well, the real thing. And then, all right, you know, num number 14, uh, Exeter City will play. And Ozzy goes, number 61. <laughs> At that pace. <laughs> <laughs> and the draw overran and we were going, can you speed him up? I went, no. <laughs> 
thank you so much for listening uh they've all been a pleasure to make these episodes so it's lovely to hear them again before we go talking of lovely to hear again let's leave you with a man to take you through these trying times it's des Lynham from his album poems and music time to stand and stare what number do you want skull so from two to 22 i i'm not i'm not a knowledge on poetry i know that number five is stop all the clocks by wh Auden, which of course i know um it was written for four weddings and funeral and um <laughs> i don't feel like that's appropriate uh go for it uh seven seven sussex by rudyard kipling and before you listen uh it's, it is more fun if you imagine that all instruments were played by Steve Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> this is Desmond Lynham. God gave all men all earth to love, but since our hearts are small, ordained for each one spot should prove beloved over all. That as he watched creation's birth, so we in godlike mood may of our love create our earth and see that it is good. So one shall Baltic pines content, as one some Surrey glade, or one the palm groves droned lament before Levuka's trade. Each to his choice, and I rejoice the lot has fallen to me, in a fair ground, in a fair ground, yea, Sussex by the sea. Here leaps ashore the full sou'west, all heavy-winged with brine. Here lies above the folded crest the channel's leaden line. And here the sea fogs lap and cling. And here, each morning each, the sheep bells and the ship bells ring along the hidden beach. Here through the strong and shadeless days the tinkling silence thrills. All little lost down churches praise the Lord who made the hills. But here the old gods guard their round, and in her secret heart the heathen kingdom Wilfred found dreams as she dwells apart. Though all the rest were all my share, with equal soul I'd see her nine and thirty sisters fair, yet none more fair than she. Choose ye your need from Thames to Tweed, and I will choose instead such lands as lie twixt rake and rye, black down and beachy head. God gives all men all earth to love, but since man's heart is small, ordains for each one spot shall prove beloved over all. Each to his choice, and I rejoice the lot has fallen to me. In a fair ground, in a fair ground, yea, Sussex by the sea. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, 
File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.